This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, the podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek here with the record North Shore founding member, Joe Coglin, as we get you all caught up on the latest news when it comes to the first week of high school football in area. We've got some fun games to talk about, some fun matchups. Um, we'll have some other sports to talk about as well. So, uh, we're going to do our regular four-quarter uh, format now that we are back into the school year. In the first quarter, we are going to recap both Loyola and Nutria's opening game wins um, to start the season. In the second quarter, we are joined by Jackson McCrary, Nutria football player. In the third quarter, we play our weekly guessing game of way or no way. And in the fourth quarter, we'll get you caught up on some other uh, sports that have been going on here in the first few weeks of the school year as well as get you all caught up or all ready for uh, Nutria's second uh, game of the season and talk a little bit about why everyone is ducking Loyola um, in week two already. It's pretty, uh, I know the first game was pretty impressive for the Ramblers, but kind of weird to be ducking them already in the second week. But um, just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you uh, give us a nice little review and spread the word as well as you are watching all these athletic events. Always good to um, get more and more listeners, especially during the school year and especially during football season, to uh, um, get as much info out there as possible. But why don't we get started here in the first quarter, where uh, we'll start off with Loyola taking on uh, Marquette uh, from uh, Wisconsin, where we talked about uh, Marquette losing their first matchup and uh, Loyola uh doing pretty much what we would expect them to do, Joe. I don't, I remember exactly what your score was, was, but I feel like it was pretty close to the 42, 14, uh, win that Loyola had in their opening game where, um, the guy that you talked about in our podcast a week ago, Marco Maldonado, uh, he just, uh, destroyed, uh, Marquette high and really, uh, just took the place of on Pemberton and continued what the Ramblers did in the spring. Yeah. Um, he's good. <laughs> I, uh, I said it last. That's, a, that's the podcast. I, I think you. Uh, I think we had an over under at eleven um, in one of the questions, and I I said way over because for touchdowns, just because I was sky high on the kid. And he had four in the first half, so I think that extrapolates out to what eight per game. Now he's going to have seventy two touchdowns. But um, yeah, my uh, my under does not look good after the first game of the season. Good, but he's. I mean, he's just elite explosiveness. Um, you know, I guess things I, I'm not in, in, in completely in tune with are things like uh, vision and, and things like that that a running back needs. Uh, but I knew he had the balance and explosiveness, and he proved that he, he's going to be uh, really good. Now, Marquette's, it, it seems they're down this year. I mean, they're 0-2. Uh, they lost their first game, too, but it's, it's a good big program. Um, so, um, you know, Loyola blowing out, I think, says a lot. I think it's nice that they got off to that sort of start with so many new guys kind of getting the hang of it. Obviously having Maldonado do that, do that work doesn't hurt. A um, couple big linemen 
to help pave the way is good too. And I think they had a good performance, I believe, off uh, Mike Regan, the uh, the backup, um, who also gets touches. So it's a really good team. Their defense showed out too. Uh, you know, they gave up a couple touchdowns late, I believe. It was, I think there were, may have been a running clock um, after the first half. So uh, Loyal is – they're going to be really good. I, You know, expectations for Loyal, and you can see in the rankings, sort of drop years after they have those – those huge senior heavy years. Um, and last year was like exponential one of those years where they had all those kids go to college. So it's like, okay, well, what do they have? We're not sure. We'll rank them four or five, but they just proved that they reload and they reload and they reload. And if they don't have too many injuries, they're always a threat to take a state championship um, or at least make it to that game. So um, I think they're ready to go. I think they'll be, uh, they'll get those, those tests out of the way early. St. Rita and Brother Rice, both those teams looked really good in week one. Rita had a big setback with the injury, um, but Brother Rice, I think, dismantled their opponent pretty handily in their experience, too. So um, we'll see what they got. Those are good measuring sticks, but week one, um, mission accomplished. Yeah, and you had, uh, obviously, Marco Maldonado really uh, starting things up, but you had, again, uh, the defense uh, really, um, really getting into it. I mean, you had senior defensive back Andrew Peza intercepting a pass and running it back before um, a holding penalty kind of brought that back. And then Maldonado obviously scored later on. And you also had a blocked punt. Um, uh, and uh, you just had, I don't know, this seemed like a typical Loyola game where you run the ball hard, you have interceptions, you have defensive plays, you have special teams plays. And um, pretty, pretty easily for Loyola, they were able to take care of business and start off the, um, start off the season pretty well. Um, based on what you read and uh, just kind of heard, um, what uh, really impressed you about this defense and what they're able to do? Obviously, interception is good, but just the pressure that they were able to place on Marquette, where um, it seems like Marquette was never really able to uh, get anything going uh, offensively. Yeah, and that's the thing that you come to expect from Loyola. So we were kind of we, we kind of wanted to see what their front eight would do, and it sounded like um, it was suffocating. And that's a, that's a word um, that we use a lot with Loyola Academy's front front seven, front eight, able to just really limit the opportunities, small margin for error there for opposing offenses to get any sort of ground. And Marquette wasn't able to do it before Loyola was out to it. 35 nothing lead and they scored on the opening kickoff too with that um uh, with that kickoff return by Danny Collins so uh I think that defense is going to be fine it's just it it just you know success begets success and Loyola defense that is amplified because of how it's coached up by Halsek a former NFL linebacker um and and his staff um they know what they're doing there so they prepare their guys I think you got a superstar in the middle there, James Crutes, as a linebacker. So you're you're going to just – it's just going to be a really good team, and I think that's really going to be a defense that we come to expect and is going to shut teams down. Yeah, and you had Jake Sterney uh, start his season pretty well, 3 of 10 for 90 yards. I mean, isn't that typically what a Loyola quarterback does? You know, makes the passes when you need to make the passes, but it's basically the running game uh, really opening things up, and then you shoot the um, ball down the field a couple times. Yeah, and like we talked about in the preview, I think that Sterney's going to need to find his go-to guys. I think he found Danny Collins a couple times. That's the leader in the clubhouse right now. Um, he has a little varsity experience. With some of the injuries they have, um, he's going to look to Collins, and I think he's going to look to some of his tight ends to get and, – and Marco out of the backfield once they need him to. But 
they won't need him to until somebody proves they can stop Maldonado. I think teams are going to do that because Maldonado is going to force them that and and Loyal's offensive line is going to force them to put up a ton of people in the box and force Sterney to throw or, or Holosek's offense to get a little more clever, uh, which they've shown they're capable of doing. But right now, if, if Maldonado keeps having performances like this, yeah, I mean, why? If it's not broke, don't fix it. And we're only a game in, and obviously we like to overlook into things and dive into things too much in sports. That's what we do here. But um, if you, what is still a question you have with this Loyola team, or do you not really have a question so far? I mean, obviously it's really hard to say after one game, especially against a team like Marquette. But what is one thing that you're still kind of curious about, or maybe itchy and scratchy about? Oh, when they when they have to move the ball, you know. Um, when they're absolutely forced to move the ball and maybe a quick spurt, you know, they had to do it last year against St. Rita early when they were down. I, I believe actually they were tied um, late in the, late in the game um, and they had to move the ball and they were able to throw and, and run it with effectiveness. This game, you know, it feels like it was a good one to get going, get the wheels turning, but they didn't have to do anything. They were up 35, nothing in the blink of an eye. They were up seven, nothing literally on the first, on the opening kickoff. So um, we're going to need to see that offense move the ball under more intense pressure um, under a team more uh, of its caliber um, and that defense stop a potent offense. Now with, with St. Rita losing Caleb Brown to an injury, who I don't know how long he'll be out. I haven't seen an update on that. Um, maybe that offense comes when they take on brother rice and brother rice is an explosive offense and loyal is going to need to keep them, you know, within two, three touchdowns. Um, like also, like we talked about last week, can they do that? If, if they do, they should win that football game. But I mean, brother, Rice showed they can score more. So basically pressure that's, that's what we need to see. We need to see that both sides of the ball be pressured and how they react. Right, we'll talk more Loyola in the fourth quarter, but let's jump on over now and talk more football with Nutrier, who started its season with the 30-23 to 23, uh, win at Lions Township on Friday in LaGrange. Um, uh, Nutrier was down early, but Jackson McCreary, um, as Marty Carlino wrote in a story, chose a good time to uh, show his explosiveness, breaking for an 83-yard touchdown to even the score. And then uh, Nutrier kind of took care of business before uh, Lions uh, came back a little bit toward the end of the game to uh, um, make it a little bit closer than it was in the second half. But I know you were there. And uh, what did you see from New Trier and just what they were able to do in that second half to uh, take control there? You know, we talk a lot about – actually, I think you usually, uh, Michael, help us balance our, our expectations by saying, okay, you know, first game they got to shake off some rust. And that's what the first half looked like. It looked pretty ugly – both sides of the ball, really, but the Nutrier offense just couldn't get going. Um, drops, uh, I would say their quarterback, Kremiscoli, hit a couple people wide open um, for either big plays or, or nice plays, and they were, they were dropped. So their offense was just completely stagnant until that McCarry carry <laughs> um, for 83 yards, which was so big. And funny how, how football is uh, – any sport, really, it can just turn like that because – the only reason, maybe the only reason, um, I wasn't sure the exact play calling and stuff only coaches know, but, you know, their their starting tailback was pulled out for that series because he was tired as a dog. I mean, he was playing middle linebacker and tailback in 95, whatever it was, humidity levels uh, on the field, uh, and he was exhausted. Um, so he was pulled, and McCary got in there for some action, and he just broke one 
um, from, you know, deep in enemy territory all the way to all the way to pay dirt. So um, funny how that works. That got him going. Um, but, you know, drops, they fumbled, they fumbled a, a couple snaps. They fumbled a, uh, a ball in the end zone. That's where the safety came from. Um, it was pretty ugly early in, in the second half, by the way, at the end of the first half, Lions completed a, um, about a 30 yard pass right on the goal line that was called out of bounds. I was going to ask you about that. Were you? Uh, video video, re- video, replay uh, showed that it was not uh, what the officials called it. No, I also, I also have a photo that's pretty indisputable. But, hey, that's how it goes. Um, if that – it might have been a different ballgame. That's also the funny thing about sports. But in the second half, I think I saw the Nutrier, uh, and Marty could speak to this more, but that we expected to see. You know, a couple deep throws to their number one target, Josh – uh, Kirk Patrick, who beat his guy one-on-one and just over-the-top throws. Um, beautiful catches, but beautiful throws. Just two guys that seem to be in sync. Finn Cohen got in on the action with a couple catch and runs. Um, it just seemed smooth. And the running game was good from both Cummings and McCarry got in another one. Um, 38 McCarry. Very Thunder and Lightning-esque um, uh, backfield. So it was uh, it was the nutrient I think we expected to see. And their defense was good. Um, in the first half, they had trouble containing the Lions quarterback, who was a dual threat guy, uh, really good once he got outside the pocket, really quick um, and elusive. Uh, but they contained him. You know, they had I think they had four or five sacks. Uh, their their defensive tackle, Ty Stringer, who's just a sophomore, is going to be a very, very good one. Um, he's hard to block. They double teamed him most of the game as a sophomore. So um, he's going to be a good one. We also had a sack from uh, Cummings. Um, We had another one from Charlie Zazula, who's a returning all-conference defensive lineman. Finn Cohen um, played a lot on DN and had a couple pass blocks. So I think they got a lot of pieces on that defensive end. Their safety was Alex Mendez. um, And I think he's just working himself back in, but he's just a rock back there. And they're going to put him in on offense too. So I think they can only get better from here. I think Stevenson, I think they're better than Stevenson. Um, So we'll talk about that a little later. So I think that's another one. Um, that they can kind of improve on and kind of take this momentum with them into the second uh, week, too. Let's talk more about Nevin Krimiscoli. I mean, uh, he really, uh, big question we talked about, obviously he had a good season and um, talking about what he's able to do in the second half. I mean, passed for 143 yards in the final two quarters. And like you mentioned, really uh, um, worked well with Josh Kirkpatrick, who finished for 100 yards. Um, is that kind of what you need to see from Kremiscoli this season where Nutrier needs a big play? He's able to make that big play? Yes, because I think he's going to have – he has the talent in his patch catch, pass catchers that will be open. And even if that's uh, minimally open, like, you know, there's just a window. It's not wide open. He has to hit those throws, and he proved he could to Kirkpatrick with those two over the top. I think they're going to have a nice flow to him. I think when Mendez gets on offense, you're going to see some more explosiveness. And I think Cohen's just going to get open with his, you know, matchup issues. He's six, four, and he's got speed and and agility and you got to hit those throws and he's got to get those eight, 10, 12 yard catches. Um, And we'll see if those other guys mix in, you know, you had a couple other guys on the offensive end who didn't have great games, but prove they can get open. Got to make those catches and he's got to make those throws. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think since they're going to be open, you got to see Kremiscoli hit them. I'm, I'm interested as well as this offense evolves, if we're going to see more of that dual threat that Dole talked about. He didn't really get out in space too much a couple times 
it, when you have the running game of those two working, though, you don't probably have to, but they're going to have some designed runs for him. So I'm interested to see how that goes. But, uh, yes, I do think we need those completions down the field to really open things up for him. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see uh, what uh, he's able to do there and how much he's able to build off of that first game. And we'll play the same game we played with Loyola in this game where I know it's only one game, but what is one thing that you feel like is still unanswered about this new Trier team? Um, and they're looking in, are really interested to see what they do against Stevenson. Yeah, I think it's still going to be that second and third level of the defense um, for new Trier, um, both their... I thought their corners struggled in spots and I, I thought their uh, linebackers were still getting used to, to what Nutria was running, trying to contain that quarterback. He really had his way in the first half. I wish I had those numbers in front of me, but um, you know, when he was out of the pocket, he could, he could pick up yardage, positive yardage at will. So uh, I think they have to, to tighten that up. I think coach probably knows that. And it, you know, when you, when you're going to play a team that's going to be able to do both those and throw the ball, you could be in trouble if those both those second and third levels aren't really ready for that um, yet. And they got a lot of new faces, so um, going to have to get those sewed up by uh, by conference time. All right. Well, we're going to move on over now to the second quarter, where we're going to keep on talking some new cheer football as we are joined by Jackson McCrary, the guy we were talking about earlier a little bit here in the first quarter. He is going to join us and talk about uh, what it was just like scoring that touchdown that I had mentioned earlier, what the first game was like, and just what it was like to get that first win of the season. Two touchdowns. What's going through your mind right now? Man, you know, I see my old teammates out here, my family out here. I just want to have a good time. Got some great running backs behind me. I got a lot to learn, but, you know, just did my best today. Yeah, so walk me through that first big run. Off the off the snap, did you kind of see the huge hole and know that it had a chance to be a I big play? I saw my line make some great blocks. I just saw the hole open up, and I was, just took it. And took what, I saw it. What was going through your mind once you broke that tackle right there and saw open grass ahead? What was going just through? Like, I'm going to try to run as fast as I can, get as far as I can. Don't let anybody tackle me. Spin off tackles, break off tackles. Uh-huh. Do whatever I can to score a touchdown. First game, were you ner- did you have nerves going into tonight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah? Oh, yeah. At what point sort of did – you know, if at all, did those nerves uh, kind of relax a little bit? Was it after that touchdown, or was it, um, you I know, after the first snap? Or After my first kickoff return, I caught that ball. I knew that my hands were in the game, my head was in the game. Mm-hmm. So after that, I was just I was like, I'm just let the auto drive go. Yeah, and that, that first touchdown, you know, where you guys were at in the game, kind of had struggled to move the ball to that point. Lions had jumped out to, out to the lead. So, you know, how big did you think that touchdown was at the moment you know that was kind of the the play that sparked the offense and got things rolling so how big did it feel in that moment scoring that touchdown it's momentum started guys my whole team come to me big huddle lots of yelling you know it's a great feeling to score that touchdown to know that our team's back in the game with two points to tie the game and win the game and then this season overall what are some of the things you think you can bring to the offense jackson obviously uh first year up as as we talked about you know replacing a group that was led by Brody last year, so it's so a big shoes to fill. But what do you think you can bring to the offense this Primarily year? my speed. I hope I can work my eyesight to see the holes, read the holes better. Um, I'll try to get my, my, my size bigger, try to get some weight so I can try to break tackles better. But overall, just my speed. I'm going to use that to my advantage. Awesome. Congratulations, Jackson. Thank nice you. game. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jackson, for joining us this week. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches who – 
join us. Always good to get your guys' insight in there. All right. We're halfway through the podcast, so let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out. Move better and live better. All right, third quarter means that Joe and I are going to play way or no way, the weekly guessing game where I give a proposition and we say way it can happen. No way it cannot happen. Uh, Joe, I'll start with you with this first one where uh, you covered uh, Loyola and Nutria playing Tuesday night in a tournament game where Nutria was able to win uh, two to one in boys soccer. So way or no way that we will see these two teams competing for a sectional title uh, later in the fall. Man, they sure look like two of the two of the top teams in the area, if not the top two. Very fast play, very skilled play, fun to watch. Just two teams going at it. Um, I think they're both sectional caliber teams. Um, so, I mean, I'll say I don't know who else is in the sectional. I don't even know if those um, those placements are set yet. But I will say way. I just like the way it was very impressive to see that that's early in the year. Um, those two teams go at it. I think I'm going to go no way because I feel like I always assume that Evanston is in the same sectional and that Evanston always seems to give either Nutria or Loyola a hard time. So um, I think Evanston will probably either beat Nutria or Loyola um, before it came to that. But obviously if it's a game like uh, Tuesday, um, then hopefully it would be fun. Uh, sectional title game always fun when the Loyola Nutria rivalry uh, is for a championship like that. All right, the Loyola girls volleyball team are off to a 7-0 start to the season after a big tournament win over the weekend. Way or no way, Joe, that they will win the end-of-summer tournament uh, this upcoming weekend? End-of-summer tournament is a good tournament. Um, I think they put up, you know, Nutriers, obviously, in it. They're the hosts. Um, and I believe uh, both Glenbrooks, or at least one, are in it, so it's a good one. I, I do like what Loyola is putting on the – on the court this year and obviously they're playing with momentum they just beat glenbrook north as well as first place in that 2032 team invite um but i will say i i will say no way um i will say that uh nutrier takes them down i think nutrier's got a quality program they're both going to be equal this is similar to soccer this year where they're going to be two of the top teams in the sectional if they play in the same sectional um, I think um, I think they're probably the favorites other than, you know, GBN and Deerfield also going to be up there in this tournament. Um, but I say Nutria takes them down, so I say no way. Um, I think I'll fade you again and say way that they're going to win. I think they uh, – obviously, like you said, I think it's, it's going to be Nutria and Loyola, and I think Loyola will probably uh, win that matchup. Obviously, it's hard to tell, but um, I think it will be up to those two teams, and then uh, Loyola will uh, take care of business against the Trevians this weekend at their own tournament. Um, way or no, the Nutrier uh, field hockey team lost against Lake Forest, obviously two of the better teams um, in the state usually when it comes to field hockey. So way or no way, Joe, that field hockey won't lose a game the rest of the season before the playoffs start. Won't lose a game. I wish I could look at their schedule. I wonder if they have any out of, probably not. Still probably COVID's probably restricting their travel as well. So I will say no way. I say they run the table. Well, they're going to, they might play Lake Forest again. Outside of Lake Forest, I will say no. I will say way they run the table. Was that right? Was that, was that how yeah. you the question? I'll say way they run the table outside of Lake Forest. And I think those two are going to meet again in the playoffs. You know, I remember in many other years, those teams do battle a ton. And 
uh, the, the, the loser of the regular season figures it out. I've seen Nutria do that a couple times where they lost 2-1, 3-1, whatever to Lake Forest in the regular season, and they figure them out by the postseason. So I think we might have that situation again. Um, I know Nutria was very senior heavy in their short-lived spring season, um, but uh, they also return a lot of talent. So I think they're really, really good. I think they'll be fine. I think the, I'll go away on that one. Um, they do play Lake Forest again to end the regular season, but I still think I'll agree with you and go away where I think they'll win that second matchup against uh, Lake Forest, especially having a, a month and a half under their belts and uh, getting ready to compete. And then everyone else, I mean, obviously North Shore Country Day is a tough opponent. No PRF is always tough as well, but um, I think this is what, I mean, this is what you need at the beginning of a season, especially against a strong team like Lake Forest. So I'll agree with you there. I think way that they will take care of business and win every game, at least for the rest of the regular season. All right. Way or no way, Joe, that the new cheer girls tennis team will lose a duel this season. I will say no way. They will not lose a duel. Um, we talked about, at, at one of the summer podcasts, uh, all the talent they're bringing back, you know, they're, they're number one and their number two singles players last year, I believe were both freshmen um, and they're leading the way and they're dominant. And uh, the thing with Nutria, like we always talk about, so sorry folks repeating ourselves is in those individually based team sports. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, they're so good because they're so deep. So you know, their, their top three singles players, like their third singles players would be a number one in a lot of places. And their fourth doubles team would be a two in a lot of places. So they're, they're just so deep of a program that they, they dominate those back ends if they can't win the top ones. So I think they're, they'll be fine in dual meets and not lose. Yeah, they've got Stevenson in there. And obviously GBS has a strong girls program as long as some other teams as well. But I think I agree with you, way. Um, I think that they're just too deep and that's what matters in this type in this type of competition where um, you might lose that top matchup or maybe top two matchups or whatever. But um, I think uh, Nutria is deep enough where they won't lose a dual uh, match this season. All right. Fifth and final way or no way, way or no way, Joe, that the Nutria girls swimming team sweeps, sweeps conference this year. Oh, man, I wish I knew exactly what. Um, they bring back compared to GBS because those are the two programs and it's gotten to the point where they're close to each other in terms of depth. Um, but I will still say no. Uh, well, I still say way they will sweep the conference. Similar theory to tennis. They just are sure to have so much depth. Um, Going to be great to be back swimming against programs again um, in the same pool. Um, and it's going to be nice. So I think uh, I'll say way. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, same reasoning, basically. I think uh, obviously a lot of talent from the talented team from last year that won the sectional uh, for uh, New Trier, and I think that they'll just be able to sweep conference both uh, in the regular season and at the conference meet. So, uh, yep, I agree with you there. Way so after a couple uh, disagreements, we went pretty uh, easy and steady there to uh, finish off way or no way. But why don't we move on over now to the fourth quarter where we'll start off some talk about. Um, some other sports before we get into some football previews. And Joe, um, I know you're at that Nutria Loyola game we talked about in way or no way where uh, Nutria was able to uh, win two one. Um, what, what did you see in that matchup? And just uh, um, what did you kind of learn about the two teams? Um, obviously, in a very early season match. 
man, I saw, I just saw some really good soccer. Um, lot, a lot of speed um, and a lot of skill, uh, which, um, you know, you expect at the varsity level to, you know, especially in the playoffs, but this, we're talking, you know, opening, opening week here. Um, and both these teams, I think are, you know, state qualifying caliber teams. They can make it to that final four, final eight. Um, I think they're really that good. Um, it was fun to watch, you know, Nutrier scored right out of the gate um, off a of counter loyal man. They, they came out hot, really wanting to put pressure on early and Nutrier was just able to counter. Um, and it took really two, as, as coach um, um, Ravenscraft said from Nutrier, unsavable goals, like Nutrier put two balls in the spots that are just not <laughs> accessible by goalies um, back corner for a header, uh, you know, a minute and a half in and the, the free kick in the second half was um, upper right corner and a bender. It was beautiful. So that's what you have to do against. And I guess the, you know, the goalies for both teams are uh, Alex Ainsworth for Loyola and uh, Aiden Crawford for Nutrier are two of the state's best as well. So these were two of the top teams in the state and they showed it really dramatic game crowd was in it. Loved that. Um, really fed into the energy of the stadium and the teams, you know, the coaches talked about that as well as Evan Canellos who scored the game winner for Nutrier. So um, just really good soccer. And I think they're going to be there to the end. Um, Loyola is the class of the Catholic league. I don't think there's anything, you know, Franklin Medema and Ryan leader are two guys there that are going to just uh, put, put forth big numbers this year and take Loyola real far. volleyball as well as both Nutrien and Loyola will be competing at the end of summer tournament but obviously Loyola girls volleyball off to a 7-0 start where uh, they competed in, in a tournament Joe that uh, was not uh, it wasn't uh, just playing against anybody there was some good talent um, in that tournament to start the season yeah 32 teams and Loyola had to travel um, so down to the playing field area so I mean, we're talking like a, like an out of you know a road trip for a tournament for, for these Northern teams. So it was, it was pretty cool to see those scores come across. I think they had their biggest challenge in the um, quarterfinals that they won in three sets um, before taking out Wheaton Warrenville South and then Nazareth in the title game. Um, so yeah, they just went wire to wire with that one and just looked like some dominating success. Got some Mia McGrath who we talked about over the summer as someone to watch was the tournament MVP she can really just be a dominant force. Molly Power also made the all-tournament team. Um, and I think Catherine Burke as well. So this is a really good team. Um, they're, they're balanced. Um, they can hit, they can get you in, in a number of ways. Um, I haven't seen them live yet, so it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to see uh, the skill level we're talking about on the defensive end. Um, I'm seeing Nutrier tonight um, against Lake Forest, which should be fun before the summer's end tournament. But um, Loyola is going to be good, and they proved it. I mean, 32, two, 32 teams, and then they beat Glenbrook North last night just to add it on, and they're 7-0 now. All right, so obviously that'll be fun to see what they're able to do. And now let's go over to football. And um, why don't we start off with Loyola, who does not have um, an opponent for week two. And then if uh, for people who read uh, Neil's story over the weekend, Coach Hollis, I seemed pretty confident that they would be able to 
um, find out if uh, they would have a player or find an opponent um, with some cancellations going on. But then as of Wednesday, when we're recording this afternoon, um, Coach Hollis said that there won't be a week two matchup this weekend. And um, obviously that'll hurt Loyola for playoff points because um, essentially it's pretty much a loss if not um, a little bit worse, but um, kind of weird to just see a team not really willing to take the chance to play Loyola either. Um, if it's a loss, it's a loss, but it's a good playoff loss because you're playing against one of the best teams in 8A. Um, and uh, I don't really, I don't know, it just seems weird to not want to play Loyola um, for many different reasons. Yeah, you know, we were talking about this pre, uh, pre-recording just you know, you get not wanting to lose. You don't want to put a game on your calendar that's pretty much an L. But at the same time, if you're scheduling non-conference games, you want to play tough opponents if you want to be at your best throughout the year. We see, we hear that from coaches all the time. They want to have a strong schedule to really prepare them for conference. If that's your goal, why not play Loyola? Maybe take a loss, but also collect their 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 wins for your playoff points, which are going to be at least seven, um, you know, probably eight or nine. So why not collect those boost your playoff resume and, and get play, see who, who you aspire to be maybe, you know, if it's assuming it's not one of the other powers, like a, like a Warren or something that's right up there with Loyal, assuming it's another school, see who's up there and what it, it's going to take to be there. I don't get these schools completely dodging, Maybe there's another reason we're not seeing very clearly. And, and that could be, you know, there could be something pretty obvious here. Maybe it's just circumstance this season with a lot of two-way agreements, uh, two-game agreements that it just didn't work out. But man, it sure seems odd that you can't get Loyola Academy, can't get a week two game. And I'm interested to see the, the ramifications that's, that are going to come for this. So if Loyola goes undefeated or whatever their record is, they can max out at eight wins. So will they be with the eight and one teams if they have eight wins or will they be with the undefeated teams that have zero losses grouped with them with their playoff points? Because they're getting a bit fat zero for week two from what we hear from their playoff points. So it's going to be lower, but like where, which tier do they settle in? Um, I'm not sure. So I, it's a very weird dynamic and, and I'll, we'll see how it plays out. And, and also, I guess there's, you know, separate from that, Neil, the reporter, <laughs> our, our beat reporter told us that, you know, they can't find anybody in the varsity reserves are playing Huntley on Monday. So that, that, you know, that seems to mean like they're, they're not finding anybody, but maybe they do. Maybe Thursday something works out. I don't know. I don't know if that's even possible at this point, but we'll hold out hope. Yeah, it just doesn't seem to make any sense. And if you're a team um, who's looking for an upset, why wouldn't it be against Loyola? I mean, it's week two, obviously, this team. um, Loyola is a strong team, but, I mean, upsets happen all the time. And, I mean, Loyola is only – it's going to only be the second game of the season where, obviously, Loyola is uh, well-coached and everything, but mistakes can happen, and you can have a team that's not experienced. I mean, this isn't the Loyola's team from the spring where – you had all this senior leadership and all these players who had been there and done that before where this Loyola team obviously is very talented, but at the same time, this is a team that shows getting its starters, getting some big varsity reps and uh, getting a lot of time. And I mean, even the varsity players, if I remember correctly, only played the first half against Marquette because 
Um, obviously, the score was uh, it was a big uh, lead and a running clock, and obviously the high temperatures on Saturday and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, Joe, I agree. I don't really know why you wouldn't just take the chance of playing a loyal. Worst thing that happens is you get a loss, you get their playoff points, and it looks better for you. And then obviously the best scenario is you somehow upset them and it even looks better for your resume where it's like, all right, like we beat Loyola. We obviously belong to be up there. And obviously I don't know what the, at this point I figure all the other top schools in the area probably have uh, their week two matchups ready to go. Um, Obviously I don't think another state opponent would really work because then that opens up uh, a bag of worms for uh, the down the road. But um, yeah, I really don't understand why Loyola, um, just wasn't able to get an opponent. And I mean, you saw over the social media, them saying, if you know, if you are willing to pay us, play us, um, obviously reach out to assistant uh, athletic director, Mark Carrier. And they had like a photo of him as a bear and that kind of stuff, which I thought was kind of interesting, but um, just, uh, yeah, yeah. I really don't get what the thinking is there where you wouldn't want to play a team like Loyola, where worst case scenario, you get their best, you get their playoff points, best case scenario, you upset one of the best teams in the state. Yeah, it's 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 hard to fathom. Um, I don't. I, I also can't believe that good teams would just say that's an automatic W. Like if you're a good team, like you just kind of talked about upsets. Like wouldn't you say like, okay, we can maybe pull this off. Like let's. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it's confounding, and uh, it kind of stinks for Loyola and those kids to have an off week before they get in the conference play. I'm sure Coach ain't happy, but uh, um, I guess we'll. We'll wait a week to talk about them. I guess we'll see. Who knows? Maybe our rant was useless and they actually will play somebody this weekend. But you figure Wednesday afternoon, you got to get game planning and all that kind of stuff. That might be uh, too quick of a turnaround moving forward. But maybe COVID um, plays a role and some team has to cancel. But um, let's talk about a team that will be playing. And that is Nutrier hosting Stevenson uh, this upcoming Friday. Uh, Stevenson lost its opening game to Maine South 41-10. to um, so either that says a lot of good things about Maine South or that says a lot of bad things about Stevenson. But um, what are your initial thoughts about this matchup, Joe? I like this matchup in terms – it's going to be a good one. I think Stevenson is not um, is not the power we expect it to be or that, that it can be from year to year. I think, it, you know, 41 to 10 to Maine South isn't exactly a uh, – an awful thing. I mean, Maine South's a premier program in the state of Illinois. So, um, but I don't think Maine South's its best team ever. So I, I think it's a down year um, for Stevenson. And I think that plays well to Nutrier, able to establish some things a little more in week two. I think it's be a good game, um, but I like what it, what it does for Nutrier and their, their, their offense. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. I think they got some momentum in uh, that second half against Lions. And I think they're going to roll that up into Stevenson and we're going to see the ball move a little more. Now it'll be up to their defense to keep that separation in the score, but uh, I think their offense will have a nice day. I think it'll be interesting um, to see because uh, Stevenson senior running back, Jordan Skolmer um, rushed 13 times for 165 yards. So obviously he can rush it. What did you see from Nutrier's rush defense? Um, and how do you feel like you, they would be able to uh, limit what uh, Skolmer was able to do in their opening game against Maine South? 
Yeah. So as we talked about in the first quarter, I think there's holes in that run defense right now, or at least there were was in week one. They're still trying to figure out their second level. They're still trying to figure out their uh, their third level, the DBs. So at least figuring out how to play together, not exactly who that personnel is, although they did switch a lot of personnel on both levels throughout the game. Could be because of heat, could be because they were trying to make things work. Um, I guess we're going to find out a lot in this game, but um they, they had some pretty good success that that defensive line nutrient as coach said uh, preseason is pretty explosive it's good um, it can it can beat linemen it's big they can move guys in and out so it's it's um, they can keep winded guys off the field you know they can stay fresh I'm sorry they can stay fresh um, keep that energy very high it's a difficult team to run up the gut against now where they had a lot of success Lions is running off script their their um their quarterback figuring out uh scrambling and just or even design runs where it looked like he was scrambling so i think there are holes there and i think stevenson are going to be able to find them especially because the running backs that good um it's up to nutria to figure it out pretty quickly so um their linebacker core's big you know that says a lot about the middle linebacker cummings their outside linebacker henry wolf is going to have to do a lot of good things um so we'll see. I think th- I think that's it's going to be interesting. How important do you think we talked about Nevin Kermiscoli early? Do you think it is going to be for him to uh, start things off really quick? I mean, main South quarterback Rowan Keith uh, was 11 of 18 for 128 yards um, against the Stevenson defense. So how important is it going to be just to start, um, you know, getting the passing game going, getting the running game going and getting off to a fast start? I, I think big because I think they're going to need to keep the ball. I think that's a big, big key to victory here is time of possession. So I think they're going to have to move it. I don't think they're going to be able to do that every single down with the run game. I think the running is really good. They got a good offensive line. They got two guys who can move in and out um, in their backfield. So I think they're going to be able to do that, but I think they're going to have to hit those key throws um, in the slot on the sidelines to move the chains and keep the ball. I think because of the dynamic running game of Stevenson, um, they're going to want, you know, Nutria is going to want to hold the ball as much as possible and, and limit the potential for uh, those draining long drives that Stevens can produce with a running back like that. So I think Kremis is big. He's going to have to manage that offense. He's going to have to hit key throws for, I think, both short. Obviously, the big chunks are going to be nice, whether that's to Kirkpatrick or we get Mendez in the mix, but it's going to be those throws to Cohen and, and short yardage to Kirkpatrick or um, Ethan Cummings, for instance. Um, those are going to be huge here, I think. All right, Joe, give the folks at home a prediction for what happens on Friday night in Winnetka or Northfield, I should say. I think they feel real good about it. Whatever happened at, at, at halftime in Lions, I think Nutria is drinking that Kool-Aid. I think they're feeling pretty good about what they're bringing to the table on the offensive end. So I think they will put together a performance all four quarters um, rather than, you know, basically, you know, two and a half or, or one and a half, really. Um, and uh, I'll say, I think they're going to put up another 27, 28. I'll say, uh, Oh, we have to talk. I'm going to give the prediction, then I got to give a huge shout out. Um, I'll say they get 30 again. I'll say it's 30 to 21. Interesting. But shout I out. I have new. Oh, go ahead. The kicker, man. He's legit. So all that hype, Nikki, Nikki D is what we're going to call him because I'm sorry, Nikki. I'm going to totally blow your last name on uh, on this podcast. His punting game 
Michael was uh, college level. I mean, his first punt, you, you should just see the loft it gets, the technique he has, the spin of the ball is beautiful. His first one was 63 yards down to the one-yard line, and, and that's because he just bombed it over the head of, of the returner. Uh, he had no shot. The returner said, okay, this is what we're dealing yeah. with here. Just watch the ball sail over his head. Um, there was actually one play that, that was almost a game saver. So the snap went over his head. This is a freshman, by the way. Had the wherewithal <laughs> to track it down, not fall on it, kind of just pick it up. I, he didn't dodge a tackler. He kind of just turned away and kicked it. And he still got off a 35-yard punt somehow. Wow. Uh, and it really saved that that possession because um, that was going to be deep in a, a nutrient territory. So uh, really impressed with this kid. His kickoffs get great height, great end over end, allow plenty of time for Nutriers, uh, you know, team to get down there, special teams to get down there. Um, pretty impressive stuff from the kicker. Just had to make sure to give him his due. Is he your uh, traditional style of a punter? Is he doing an Aussie kick? What's, uh, what, what's the breakdown of him there? Yeah, traditional. I'm, I'm saying like, you know, you know, leg is high over his head. Uh, great release. The ball, uh, and he had long punts, so he wasn't trying a lot of deadening. Uh, he was really getting that full spiral, just really beautiful stuff. All right. Well, it would be fun to see what he's able to do against Stevenson on Friday. I have Nutria winning 28 to 10. I think they'll be able to limit Stevenson pretty handily um, there. But that's all we've got for the epi this episode of the podcast this week. Just a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure to reach out and to give a nice little review as well. And as always, thanks again to the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. Always appreciate their uh, help as well. So for Joe, thanks so much for joining us this week. Enjoy your uh, weekend of football again and other sports this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Till next time. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.